Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Yeah, the first time I met Steve and Lindy was actually that uh, Chris Valentin and uh, Danny Silk and Bill was going to do an event in Noonan that they were hosting. And then uh, I got a call where they said a bill for some reason. I couldn't remember what it was that couldn't come. And so they asked me to, to come and speak. And so then we came over to the house there and we were with Danny and Chris. And uh, I remember Steve had a uh, BMW, a three series. And because I remember cars, <laughs> but that's, uh, we went out eating and, and we, we lived in Florence, Alabama at the time. And, uh, that's when I met Steve and Lindy and something happened in our spirit. And at the time period, we knew there was going to come a transition and change. And we didn't know which cities. I started with 12 cities around the country and been on this journey. And then a lot of the prophetic words is also what God was going to do in Atlanta. And I'd often told stories that from Atlanta, Coca-Cola was able to bring a Coca-Cola bottle even to some other places, like I, I can go in Pakistan in the middle of nowhere where they've never heard the name of Jesus. But when I ask them about Coca-Cola, they start to smile. <laughs> it, it's a true story. I, was, I went first on a trip to Kenya and from Kenya to Uganda and Uganda into Congo. We had to take two small little Cessna flights. And in the middle of nowhere, we're coming in on a grass field and there's these pygmy people, small people that are in trees, they, they don't know anything about Jesus. They never heard of Jesus. It took four days to travel to go in the middle of this jungle to find these people. But when I got there, they were able to get me even a cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> and, and I thought about it. It's, it's amazing. If you think about just as an evangelist and a Coca-Cola from this place. So then you have CNN from this place with the news that now all over the world. And here we are, uh, 2018, born for such a time as this. And... And even for me to be back again with the family, we just came from a trip in uh, last week, actually last Saturday, we celebrated my birthday. And uh, thank you. And uh, one of the birthday gifts, I was laying up on the floor in Fremont, California, in Silicon Valley, and having people like Heidi Baker and all of that. We were there for an event, but just prophesying and pouring in. And then Saturday, a week from the day, my wife afterwards left. Uh, I, I did a last speaking late that afternoon, went to San Francisco, and then went up the coast to Humboldt County, where both Daniel and them are from, and it's also with Jen and Justin. So it's kind of just strange to see how all these connections are together. So here his uncle comes up and hugs me, and it's just this big family thing. And right in the middle of that, we have a room full of men. The sheriff is there, some of the business community, and presence of God showing up. And the last meeting up there in Humboldt County, many of these business people that are not even in maybe our stream came to even the school while you were teaching in school. They were just hungry for more. And then the presence of Jesus that that last day were about 200 some people just among the students and they ended up on the floor all over the place and the glory of God started to take them and having encounter and freedom and deliverances just things took place just in the presence of God and that was in their county so just in for the joy to coming up to Humboldt County and now seeing our family here at four o'clock and in the next service, I wanted to mention maybe five, six minutes before I share a word that I believe is a word for now. It's a now word. Say now. now. When I lift my left hand, you say now. now. And when I lift my right one, say God is able. God is able. 
uh, the Ephesians 3.20 has been over me in this season. Because it is a now moment. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but because. So now to him who is able. So when you capture a now moment and then you tap into God's ability. That is not the message right now, but uh, it, it sounded good. I wanted to give away a couple of new books as to saying, I'm part of this family and my wife is here. And can you give Jennifer a good hand, by the way? It's a, and, and our oldest daughter, Lila, is here. And Courtney moved to Norway on Tuesday. So hopefully I get to FaceTime her tomorrow. And then Leif Emanuel, he's up in Nashville. So, But uh, this book, I just wanted to, it's out on the table. It was the last book I've wrote called Call to Rain. So much of my heart has been to see from a place of identity that people will know who they are and whose they are. Because if you can discover your identity, you can move into intimacy. A lot of people are coming and they want to have a date with God while he's looking for the wedding band. So it starts with identity and so many people are trying to discover their destiny without an identity. And you're actually finding your destiny through your identity. That's why the enemy has been on an identity theft. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So even if you recognize when there's something you carry in your life, the enemy is nervous about it. If I had an hour with each one of you and you told me the area where the enemy has attacked you, I can tell you what your destiny is. But often he's trying to go after your identity. And from that identity, you're moving into intimacy. The first question is, who are you? Who were you? Who was Steve before the foundation of the world? Because according to Ephesians 1.4, he says, I knew you and I predestined you in love. You were there in the beginning. There was the Father, there was the Son, and there was the Holy Spirit. And there you are. With the family in the beginning in perfect love. So if he knew you before the foundation of the world, and Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So the very provision, you actually started out in glory. And if you're going to go from glory to glory, the starting point has to be glory. What sin did made you fall short of glory. And what Jesus came was to restore you back again to the original you. And that started before the garden. It started before there was a fall. It started in the beginning, in the beginning God. So this identity, this is who you are. This is who you were before the foundation of the world. Well, you were predestined in love. There was no fear there. That's the starting point. And that's also the place to come back. So from that identity, we then have intimacy. That's kind of the wedding band. From the intimacy, you have inheritance. So it's not just who you are, but it's also where you are. Then what you have. Then you're stepping into destiny, what you're called to do. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. Let me say that one more time. It is not what you do that makes you who you are, but it is who you are that makes you do what you do. So I want to just give this to someone. Where do we have a good receiver? Was there a good receiver back there? Okay. I'm trying. That's a very good receiver. 
Oh, there's some good receivers here today. One more. This, this is how to get into death. No, I'm <laughs> She's already got it. I mean, it's a, your upgrade has been confirmed. But I believe even for America stand, this book is very practical for this season. Mainly it's called Giant Slayers. How do, if you wake up in the morning, and we heard Jenny even in her prayer earlier, if you wake up in the morning and you're overwhelmed, whatever overwhelms you shapes you. Let me say that one more time. Whatever overwhelms you shapes you. If you're being overwhelmed by love, you're going to be shaped by love. So what you're receiving is what you're becoming, and what you become is what you release. So you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. So from this place of receiving, say receiving. So you're receiving love, then you become love. And then you can start to release and you're becoming an environment changer. Because this environment has changed. And the biggest war that we're experiencing in this season is a war against rest. And uh, you can feel it everywhere. And I woke up in the morning with this uh, little sound. Have you ever had that? There was actually quite a few years back, it started in the Philippines that one morning when I, after two days of travel, woke up, there was frogs everywhere. There was a frog epidemic and there was no shalom, there was no peace. I don't know if you've ever had it, but that little... So I decided to put some earplugs in and I still heard... To make the story short, after three days and three nights having boson, and then I put the pillow, I even tried to tape it around my head, but I still heard a sound. And then when you start to walk around, you're realizing, oh, the sciatic after the surgery, there's a little rabbit in my body. And before you know that, suddenly you're coming home, and then maybe my wife and I have a little rabbit. And then my daughter maybe calls me and she have a little And before you know it, there's like everywhere. I don't know if that's been in your life, but as I'm saying, here is the thing is, all these, what is it? What is the absence of shalom? For us to become a resting place, we have to have rest. And if not, we will only have visitation, but not habitation. So the dove is looking for somebody there he can find rest upon. Because he's going to bless the rest of our lives. And rest becomes your weapon of warfare. And out of rest, you will wear the enemy out. And the war against rest has begun. You can see it everywhere. You turn on the news and you hear news about... And before you know it, for the whole world has a... Problem. And everywhere you go, it's an impossibility if you look at the economy, or especially in Washington, D.C., but you don't have to look so far. You can wake up in the morning and you will see that we have a little rivet. And you go through the day. And then how are we going to start to deal and solve some of the problems that are around us? And this is what Pharaoh, Pharaoh had this big rivet problem. You can imagine with Pharaoh, I mean, there's frogs in his shoes, there's frogs in his sandwich. And then you have a frog in the toaster. There's frogs everywhere. There was a frog epidemic. You can go on YouTube and you can scan. But there was place, I mean, where the frogs, there's this high of frogs. And there's frogs everywhere. And I really do believe this was part of the message that came to me. It's a classic message that Papa Jack Taylor, who sends love and greetings. 
But part of our tradition is that Papa Jack and Mama Frida, they come and visit us for New Year. And I had a lot of New Year resolutions to some degree, but then I moved into the year and realized there was a lot of ribbit. And part of that you were part of solving. And I wanted to honor you as family. Because on December 17, in a similar setting like this, in Kwaita, Baluchistan, Pakistan, two suicide bombers just came in and they just blew themselves up in the middle of church. And 13 people got killed, and including, I'm getting the picture, so I just, December 17 is my day of rest, and I'm gonna move into Christmas, it's gonna be shalom, peace, no rabbit. And then you get the news. And now, in the next moment, because wisdom flows where there is shalom, where there is peace. So even with Solomon, the question was not for Solomon, the question was not for wisdom, it was actually to have a ear so that you can hear. But as long as there's this ribbit, ribbit sounds, then wisdom doesn't flow. So the enemy is very nervous at this moment for us to be able to have stillness so that we can hear his voice. And if you don't hear his voice, there's a lot of other noise we're going to listen to. And we are looking for sons and daughters that can capture the father's voice in this season and be a prophetic people. All I do is what I see my father do, and I say what I hear my father say. So in the middle of all of these things, so Papa Jack, this is to the message. He came behind me and I had had a war and a battlefield by December 30th and you were part of it. We prayed in the spirit and just said, God, what are we going to do? And I heard the father saying that he wanted to get involved. He wanted to do something about it. But ISIS was taking over this region and area and they had connected with Taliban. And it was kind of going to be a cleansing against Christian. It's a horrific dark place of the world. So in the middle of like, what are we supposed to do? And I started to pray in the spirit because when you do not know exactly what to do, you just need to know where to go. And I didn't know what, even with my mind because there was so much ribbit. So I prayed in the spirit so the enemy could not pick up the signal. Because now the spirit that is in you get connected with the father and the son. And you're becoming one with heaven in that moment. So I was just in my office, prayed in the spirit. And by December 19th, so I contacted, we contacted our church here. We contacted our family. It was only 12 people. We didn't tell anybody else. But it was just who the spirit told us to connect. And then out of that, even the Holy Spirit said what we're supposed to do. And I wish we had had a time to watch the video, but in the next, from December 19th to the 30th, we're getting the Muslim leadership of the nation together in unity. They come, coming into the region, meeting the Muslim leaders of Kuwait, bring them in unity. They go to the church with a gift from us, where the top Muslim leader goes to the victim's family. Because you overcome evil by good, and the goodness of God leads to repentance. If we as Christians have done it, that wouldn't be such a big deal. But for me, it was how do you soften the radical over an area? How do we have wisdom to rebuild, to bring shalom in there, and get the unity? So the Muslim leaders and the Christians came together. I don't know if you watched the video, but it's... Yeah, it's an 11 minutes, but it is just phenomenal to see the environment change. And I just realized at the time now... There was no longer dove, I had pigeons. When the dove is there, you're anointed. When there's pigeon there, you are annoying. <laughs> so I'm just talking about it's a combination of all these. And then uh, 
I knew there was a war against rest. Every single time we tried to rest, that could be my wife and I being in a moment and somebody hits our girl and we get a phone call. But it's been like this over and over and over, small little things that takes place every single time I've scheduled rest in. But that told me on the other side, I know exactly what the enemy is nervous. It's for us to enter into the hard work of rest. So there's a story there, then Papa Jack put his hands on my shoulder, then he prayed for me, and then the next moment he says, son, and he says, do you remember the rod? We're sitting at our kitchen table, and at that moment, it came back. 12 years ago, Papa Jack said, son, you're going to learn how to hold a rod, throw down a rod, and pick it up, but if you pick it up too early, it's going to be a serpent. He says, son, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod. Well, what kind of a rod? And now we're about to begin. And the question, even for my family here, for each one of us, for a family, for their church, what do you have in your hand? Because there's a miracle in your hand. So this started a journey for me that very day of realizing I, I got a ministry. We have this thing going in 22 countries. We have the, I mean, before you know it, you get so loaded down with all the burdens. And listen, there's a lot of things that we can not be entrusted with until we become free from it. Let me say that one more time. There's a lot of things that we cannot really be entrusted with until we become free from it. But when you don't need it, you can be entrusted with it. So this lesson, let me go back again to the story. I'm just going to take, because I know for the sake of time. But the story started when Israel was supposed to be God's people, like we are supposed to be God's people. The temperature of America should be measured by the temperature you check here. And I'm not talking about just us as the Bethel family. I'm talking about for the body of Christ. So, so we are supposed to be thermostats that sets the temperature in cities and nation. And Israel, to some degree... They had become slaves. They had ended up in slavery. And now Egypt was controlling them instead of them controlling Egypt. In this kind of environment, God had enough. He said, let my people go. And, and you could feel the heart of God in a sense of, I, this is my kids. I didn't want my kids to be slaves in this world system. I have a promised land for them. And I know that many of us, we know that we have more promises than we have land. Well, he wants to bring us into the promised land. He is a promise keeper. And he didn't want us just to be in Egypt or in this world system. He wanted actually to set us free. And he wanted freedom. And then he wants us to be a group of people then. Because when we have become free from something, we can be entrusted with it. And we can release freedom. And we can deal with the frog problems. As long as we don't have frogs all over on the inside. So in the middle of this, God is raising us up in Moses. And I was thinking with the babies that are around here. But the little baby boy, Moses, was put in the Nile. But here is another thing that I think is very interesting. It's very interesting to see that the devil now is picking up the signal that destiny is about to be born. So watch what's going on in America. Watch what's happening in the city. Watch what's going on all around us. And I can tell you again what God is up to. So I realize now, when, why is he trying to kill the baby boys? Because Moses, the deliverer, is coming. While I was in my mother's womb, I was born into this world in fear. Because the doctor had a surgery. Because inside my mother's womb was an ambassador of love. And fear is the opposite of love. 
So throughout my life, there's a lot of things that is true, but it is not the truth. And knowing the truth sets you free. And over my journey, if you start to see how the enemy has attacked us because where the serpent has bitten you is where you have the greatest authority. So now we're moving into this story and here Moses, a little baby boy and the princess is there with an island. Wow, baby boy. Sometimes I almost feel sorry for the devil. One time I almost prayed for the devil, almost. It's like every single time, like what just happened there in Kuwait, every time the enemy attacks, it just leads to an upgrade. In 2013, when the enemy burned down 200 Christian homes and 80 businesses, the result was 87,000 people got saved. Because we went in and rented a stadium. So every time you attack our family enemy, we fill up stadiums where signs, wonders, and miracles are going to happen. So the enemy will know every time there's another attack, we fill up another stadium. So here we are, Moses ends up in the home of Pharaoh. So here you can think, Pharaoh is kind of the king of darkness. He's the one that represents the enemy on earth. So right in the middle of this little baby boy grows up in Pharaoh's home. The Pharaoh has to pay for the diaper bills. <laughs> the Pharaoh pays for the education. The Pharaoh has to take care of everything. And right in the middle, for the next 40 years, Moses gets everything that is needed in his life to be qualified. And Pharaoh has to pay for it. The language, the economy, the culture, the politics. He knows everything about Egypt. And that's the good news, but it's also the bad news. Because when you get qualified, you have to become disqualified. It's the kingdom. So first you learn everything that you need to know. And then you have to unlearn it's like I went to Bible college and seminary and then, ooh, I have to spend all of this time to eventually unlearn all of the things that I knew. <laughs> That's why I think it's much easier sometimes just for a brand new believer to just to come in. Because we have all these things that it's not, there is something wrong, but it's just something that is not right. It's not kingdom. So Moses, after 40 years, he comes out and he is ready, the first day of his ordination. And I encourage Steve and Lindy that we don't do that with the third year students. If any of the leadership is here, I encourage, when you ordain the students, listen students, if you're here, don't kill anybody the first day. That's just an advice because Moses, after 40 years, the next thing he does, he kills an Egyptian. Not the very wise thing to do. And then there's two brothers fighting, and he says, are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian? And then in a moment, he ends up in fear. And now we're about to go to the message. So now in the next moment, he ends up in the wilderness. He's ending up for the next 40 years. And the only thing he has with him is a rod. But this rod is his identity. This rod is his inheritance. This is his retirement. This is his business. If you ask Moses, Moses, what do you do? And Moses will say, well, I'm a shepherd. He wouldn't say that I'm a deliverer of God's people. He wouldn't say I'm a world changer and a history maker. He would say, I'm a shepherd. He even stuttered. Moses, what do you do with this rod? Well, I take care of sheep. Actually, this rod has been very good to me. It's, it's my business. And the business is going pretty okay right now. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of problems, so 
trouble of actually learning after 40 years at his will that I've learned how to be able to do this very well. I know how to take care of the sheep. If something or someone was trying to attack the sheep, I know how to protect because this is my protection. And it's not just my protection. This is my income. This is, this is who I am. And now we are in Exodus 3. And then you're going to see Exodus 4, verse 1 to 5. I would spend more time to break those things down. But in Exodus 3, God comes in and says, Moses. So now he's in the wilderness. For 40 years, Moses eventually got out of Egypt. But it took another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. 40 years to get him qualified, another 40 years to get him disqualified until he didn't know how to do anything any longer. And God said, now we can begin. (sighs) I wish it was 40 days instead of 40 years. Jesus also had a wilderness and each one of us do. And that's the beauty of the wilderness. Because whatever overwhelms us is going to shape us. And then Moses comes in and here is, because I believe it's a key for this year. It is a I am year. 2018 is I am year. And you say, I am. When he asks in Exodus 3, what are we going to say? What, 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 what am I going to say to Pharaoh? Because God says, now the time has come. Take about 3 million griping, whining, complaining Jews with a slave mentality. Take him out of Egypt and you bring him into the promised land. Shepherdology. Welcome to the school of radiology. And Moses, when he's coming, but what are they going to say? What do I tell God's people? Just tell them, I am, I am have sent you. I would go back to God and say, God, that is not very good grammar. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. I am have sent me. Who, who do I, what do I tell when I go to the Middle East? Just tell them that I am. But if you capture this, and this is going to be a life-changing thing, when you capture the I am, I am your breakthrough. I am your healer. I am your power. I am your authority. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. I am, I am, I am. What is your problem? I am. And the only response back again is, you are. And Atlanta will say, he is. Any situation, the I am. And the response back again, you are. And the world around will say, he is. I am. You are. And the news media, he is. He is. Then we're coming into Exodus chapter 4. And you can see both verse 70 to 20, but verse 1 to 5 here. Then eventually the story begins because this is going to be your story too. The question then is, what is it that you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand, Ken? It was not long ago with Dr. Ken. We were sitting there with Papa Jack and he was overwhelmed by something. And now something else is overwhelming him. Because whatever overwhelms you will shape you. So you're coming into the situation as Moses, what do you have in your hand? And I can see Moses, well, I, I, I got a rod. Okay, Moses, what kind of a rod is it? It's a shepherd's rod. I mean, you, you gave 
that to me. I'm taking care of sheep and I have this little business that's been with me for 40 years. Moses, I want you to lay it down. And I was saying, this has been 12 years. Papa Jack, I've had this for over 40 years. But 12 years ago, Papa Jack said it, and I had to do it again. January 3rd, being so overwhelmed by all over the place, but somehow in the middle of it, you do not even realize in what you have in your hand until you lay it down. Yeah. What do you have in your hand? We have a building fund. We have, what do you have in your hand? We have, what do you have? Well, I have this business. We have this thing in our marriage. Oh, what do you have in your hand? And you do not even realize if you suddenly have pressure until you pick up his pleasure. But sometimes you have to be free from something so that you can pick up something else. What do you have in your hand? I got a rod. What kind of a rod? Shepherd's rod. My protection. My provision. My retirement. It's my skill. It's everything that I have. Lay it down. But God, you don't understand this thing here. Look. 40 years I've carved. I have even... Lay it down. So I'm sitting there just January 3rd. And is it your ministry or my ministry life? It doesn't hurt for you to give of something that doesn't belong to you. Just give me your wallet stand and see. <laughs> but when you're free from something, you can be entrusted with it. What do you have? And Moses eventually struggled a little bit, but when he throws it down, it becomes a serpent. And we don't even know if it has any poisonous nature, even the things that God has given us, until we lay it down. We don't know if it has a little hiss until it becomes hiss. Wow. <laughs> One more time. We don't know if there's become a little hiss into this until it becomes totally hiss. Wow. Moses look around, but all the poisonous nature goes out. The fear moves out when love moves in. Shame goes out, guilt goes out, everything goes out. Out of the rod. And God is changing the very nature of that rod. And eventually, maybe it looks like it is a serpent, but it's something else. And eventually, God comes in, Moses, I want you to pick it up. I'm Norwegian, I don't know much about snakes. I don't like snakes. I've watched some programs. My wife and I, we had the opportunity to be in Australia where eight out of the 10 most poisonous snakes in the world are. And if you were telling me that, Leif, you're going to pick up a snake, I would say no. <laughs> but second of all, if I was supposed to, and you're saying, how would you pick it up from the television program if snakes have ears? I don't even know if they do. That tells you how much I know about snake. But what I would do is then try to pick it up right here so that the business then wouldn't be loose. <laughs> but that's not what God says I want you to pick it up and by the way when you pick it up pick it up after the tail oh are we learning how to trust are we learning how to hold it the lesser end but at the moment when he goes down and he touches it it changes and it becomes the rod of God what do you have in your hand I got his wisdom what else do you have in your hand? I got his authority. What else do you have? I have his power. What else do you have? I have his peace. I have his love. 
I got him. What is your problem? God, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. We may be saying, well, very quickly, this is eight hours in the school of radiology and you get it in 40 minutes <laughs> because you're listening so fast. <laughs> so here, I want us to capture this because this is my heart's desire for my family this morning is for every single one in this room on a daily basis when you wake up in the morning and you feel a little overwhelmed or there's some news and stop at that moment and maybe have a rod by the side of your bed and I have one right in front of us when we wake up now, big shepherd's rod and it's an automatic relief. What do you have in your hand? Whew. Okay, why don't you lay down? Lay down your burdens and pick up my blessing. Lay down your pressures and pick up my pleasure. Lay down your fear and pick up my perfect love. The situation, and it's going to be your situation. You leave this place, and this has happened with so many of us. We leave the meetings, and then, wow, I lay down that impatience, and now I'm in traffic again. Or a favorite football team, it's like. <laughs> but I can guarantee you something. What do you have in your hand? It doesn't matter what it is, but in a moment, and we're going to do that in a few moments here, just as a start, we're going to be able to be free. Even with what God has given you. I'll give you a quick practical story, and it's kind of a, it's a confession time. When we moved to Alabama some years back, and I had been blessed through some financial business deal, and I've loved cars since I was a little boy in Norway. Cars has been part of my love language. <laughs> so every time I saw a car, I can still tell you which cars people have, and I can notice car, and don't do this, but I went on a date with my wife not long ago, and we're heading up to Buckhead, and my wife was so beautifully dressed that but I saw, whoa, did you see that Ferrari? Oh, did you see? And she said, what about? I have to lay it on this thing with cars. <laughs> so I decided when I got blessed, I'm going to buy my dream car. It was a beautiful BMW 7. Oh, it was like, wow. So I went there, got this car, and it was like everything you could have dreamed of and color and everything else. And then my wife also got her something that she didn't even want, but I want to make sure that my wife drives what I wanted. So this is years ago, of course, before I was saved. Of course, nobody that is saved would do that, but, but I, here's a short story. So we... I'm driving this beautiful car and suddenly these lights comes up on the computer and I'm like this. So even if it has warranty, I had to go all the way from Florence, Alabama to Huntsville and then I have to go back home again and I go on a trip and I came back again and they said, there's nothing wrong with your car and the light is gone and I drive home again and the light comes up again. And one day, I mean, it was like one issue after the other issue and all these things supernaturally, they cannot happen to this kind of a new reliable car. 
And one day I have this problem and I'm going to God and talking to God about it because he's my father and he's a good, good papa. And I still remember, God, we have this problem. Another issue, it's like these blessings. I had one of those bad hair days. And then this little whisper of God says, son, what's the problem? God, I just told you what the problem. What's the problem? And by the third time, it hit me. God, you know, this is that car. Right? He said, why are you talking to me about your car? It had a little in it. And a lot of pride in it and other things. It cost me a lot of money to lay down. And then pick up something else that for quite a few years before, when you became free from it, and God says, now. But it was quite a few years. Is it his business or your business? His resources or yours? Well, what is it? Lay it down. Be free. It's yours. It's your ministry. It's your resources, your finances. This is your home. My family belongs to you. My help belongs to you. I belong to you. And I'm saying this, I'm probably, maybe more than anyone in our stream, focusing so much how good Papa God is. It is my life message. How good he is and how loved we are. Another part of my life message is that how valuable everyone in this room is based upon the price that God paid. But there's another side of this that I feel we are missing in this season. And that is that I belong to him. And this little life compared to eternity, this little life now belongs to him. And all that needs to go out. Because if not, what we're saying, we have all these expectations what God is going to do for us. When he doesn't, it leads to disappointment and I'm going to leave him. I think we missed the whole message. So I had to do it again even. That's what we just did in Humble I just laid down my life again and get any out of this. Because this life belongs to you. And it needs to be in your hand. And do whatever you want to. It's not just the stuff belongs to you. I belong to you. And this is an over and over again. And then now Moses, when he picks it up, it becomes God's rod, God's ability. One moment, oh God, three million of them, they are whining and complaining. We have this issue. They've started a journey and this is a, and Moses said, God, we have this problem. Do you remember the story? They were fighting, they were complaining. Moses was so overwhelmed. And eventually the story comes in. Three million of them. I mean, I can't handle this anymore. God. And God, uh, what's the problem? But God, I just told you three million. And this is our lives. What do you have in your hand? God, I don't want to talk about radiology right now. I'm talking about three million. What do you have in your hand? <sighs> I got a rod. What kind of a rod is it? I got your rod. I got your wisdom. I got your authority. I got your ability. I got your presence. I got your love. 
I got you. Moses, what's the problem? I don't have a problem. Got those three million people of yours? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> oh God, it happened again. Oh, I forgot about all the miracles you did that day and we forgot we didn't have memory stone. But this time Pharaoh is mad. He said, in the whole army, they're coming to kill, steal, and destroy. And in the front of us is the Red Sea. Have you ever been caught there between a rock and a hard place? What do you have in your hand? Yeah. But God, the Red Sea is here, and we don't have the time to study any. We, they are coming. We got the news. <laughs> Cancer report came in. Before you know it, the financial report. And something starts to happen in our life, and in a moment we forget. That's what I'm trying to say just. And Moses in this, God, what do you have? And then when he recognized what God has given him, and each one of us, every single person in this room, what do you have in your hand? And then when you recognize that you're holding that up, light will penetrate darkness. And you will be an environment changer. And we know the story. Red Sea opens up. Army comes in. Swallows. You can maybe think it is over, but not yet. I'm landing this. Third example for tonight. This time his arms gets tired of doing God's work, God's way, with God's power, with anointing. Steve and Lindy, they, they've been standing on the promises for years about a building, but the arms are tired. But we know we're going to get a family home. We're standing on the word of promises, your faithfulness. But in this season, it's not going to be enough with individual people with what God has given you. We're going to have to need one another. So this time, my arms are tired. That's what I did to my family here. I got, I can handle this most. December, it's been a long year. As soon as my arms getting tired, ISIS is coming in and what do you have? And then I'm calling in our family and a few other families that are coming together. And we're holding up the rod of God over that area. And then the environment starts to change. You didn't watch that on the news. But I got the news. I have the picture. The environment starts to change. And your environment is about to change. Let's stand to our feet. <laughs> Whoa. So the question is, what do you have in your hand? What is some of the pressure? What are some of the things that's weighing you down? What are some of the things that you're struggling with? What are some things over and over and over again? I want you just to visualize it just for a few moments. Let's take it one or two minutes here. And can, can you see it? His church, his building, his family, his finances, his joy, his peace, his wisdom. So if there's something that you just sense in that marriage, hold it for so long. Lay it down. But that child and that report, lay it down. But that. So I want you to visualize it and hold out your hands like you're holding a rod in your hand. Because we're about to change. Whoa. To a divine change. Is there anything that you're carrying right now? What do you have? In your hand. There, yeah, you can feel it. I just lift the burdens. 
Can you feel the presence right now? One, two, three, lay it down. And take a little step back. And then in the next moment, we're just going to let the presence come in. There you And just let all that pressure go out, all of that. And now I want you to see, and we're going to do that together. In a moment, he says, do you see this? I want you to pick up this rod. One, two, three. Let's pick it up. And hold it over your head. Whoa. It's his presence. His wisdom. His authority. His provision. His strength, if you're weak. His joy in the middle of sadness. His freedom for anyone with bondage. That is his. His family. And he's a promise keeper. And if the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us. And we're coming in and somebody said, well, I've hold this miracle. Waited for 20 years, it's not happened. The chronic pain. Other people will come and help you to hold up the rod of God. So Father, we're saying yes. Say yes. 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 In Jesus' name. Let's give him a good hand. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.